us to the Weber State Weekly Game Day Show. I, uh, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, I'm your host, Colby Peterson. With me on the show today, we've got former Weber State football coach, Tom Stackrug. Tom, thanks for joining us again, man. Talk a little bit of football. Uh, good to have you. Yeah, everything's all good. I bet, you know what? I bet Coach Hill's a little happier today just because his Lehigh Pioneers continue in the 5A high school playoffs. You're going to play for the state championship next week. So something positive. Yeah, saw that. Uh, I mean, tough team because uh, they took down Tempview last weekend. And uh, yeah. and then uh, who did they beat this weekend? I can't remember who I saw it on Twitter. Stansberry. Stansberry. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, they, they're not, they're beating some tough teams to make their way yeah. to the, uh, to the championship game. So I think they will be a tall order, but yeah, definitely some good news for coach Hill and uh, yeah, hopefully some even better news this afternoon when uh, all is said and done down in Cedar city. I uh, want to want to remind everybody that um, Weber state, uh, if you want to check us out, Weber state weekly, we're always on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Always good places to chat, especially Twitter on game day. So we'll be tweeting. I'll, I'll personally be tweeting because I'm watching the game on ESPN plus. So I'll be tweeting it. But uh, in addition to that, we've got a Patreon. You go to Weber State or patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Get in on our Slack channel where a bunch of people get chatting about what's going on on the field. Uh, I think I don't think too many people are making the trip this weekend. So well, there will be a lot of chatter in the Slack channel this weekend. So go uh, go become a patron and get in the Slack channel, man. So it's a good time. So, Tom, today we're going to be talking a little bit. I'm going to get your takes on, uh, you know, the the disaster that was the Portland State game last weekend in Ogden. Uh, uncharacteristically weird season for the Wildcats at Stewart Stadium this year. Winless this year at Stewart Stadium. Just totally crazy. Not something I think we expect going into the fall season. Then we're going to flip the script and talk about the the uh, the match at hand, which will be against rival Southern Utah uh, at 2 p.m. down in Cedar City. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then I'll take you fly around the sky and uh, we'll get your takes and see what you think on some of these matchups that will be happening across the big sky. So Tom, let's get started talking about Portland state. Um, Obviously we didn't get the result that we wanted. And because of that result, the Wildcats are effectively eliminated. I think from the playoff picture Um, in our game day show last week, we talked a lot about Davis Alexander and him being the number two passer behind Eric Berrier. And we got to see all of that. Uh, wouldn't you agree? 299 yards, 29 of 42 passing. I mean, why did the Wildcats struggle so much with David Alexander in a way that I, I think that they didn't struggle with Eric Berrier? Man, it just seemed like, you know, he did a great job of just shuffling in the pocket, you know, and, and he, before he started to, to scramble, he had a plan. He knew a receiver was going to come open and he knew it was going to happen. And he found a way to just shuffle around in that pocket, buy a little bit of time, and then deliver the football. And I think the other part of it is when he's delivering that football, it's it's catch and run. Like he's putting it in some tight windows. He's accurate with the football. Yeah, he was. And you know, and and he's giving that that receiver a uh, a chance to get yards beyond the catch. So I think you know he's he's a talented he's a talented quarterback, and I was really impressed of the fact that he moved around in the pocket so well. And also, you know, sometimes he, he said, Hey, I got sacked this time. I'm not throwing it up there. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't like what I see. Yeah. I'm not, you know, he didn't throw any football. interceptions. I'm taking care of the football. So he was, you know, uh, making great decisions. And maybe, you know, that's something that comes along with being a senior quarterback. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and, and we're, you know, Wildcats, we're looking at a freshman quarterback and, 
you know, maybe we're going to sit back and, and, and watch our quarterback evolve into that over the next two or three years, just with experience. I mean, that's definitely the hope, right? Because like we saw Davis Alexander, very sharp, very accurate with his throws, smart with where he decided to throw the ball when he did and difficult to bring down. There were a number of situations where he looked, he looked DOA, man. It was like, no, that pocket is busted. He is going down, misses a couple of tackles. And um, especially on third down, it seemed he was able to get out, find, extend plays with his legs and find somebody downfield just to get nine, 10 yards to keep the chains moving. Vikings ended up being eight of 15 on third down conversions in this one. So just, you know, really good quarterback play, I'd say from Davis Alexander. And uh, that's what happens when you, when you get a senior leading your squad. Yeah. So, I mean, Tom, it's kind of funny because on the other side of the ball, Wildcats didn't establish the run the way we talked about, you know, we thought that, okay, the Wildcats had success against Eastern Washington running the ball. We would maybe see more of that this weekend against our last weekend, sorry, against Vikings, against Portland state. And uh, that, that actually wasn't the case. The, the quarterbacks ended up doing the majority of the running in this one, a lot of keepers. And uh, I mean, there was, there was one brilliant play in the first quarter where Creighton Cooper, you know, broke free and ended up getting a, a touchdown out of it. But uh, I mean, why, why weren't the Wildcats running the ball more, especially with the backs, considering the guys that we have and just, you know, the, like we, like we talked about the Vikings, not necessarily being absolutely prolific stoppers of the run. What, what kept them from giving the ball to the running backs more and, and sending them through the tackles. Well, I think there's two parts of it. First part is, is, you know, you know, you can sit there and say, yeah, run the ball, run the ball. But then as, as a, as a coach or OC, you're not getting a lot off the run. So it's not, as you're calling these, these run plays, it's like, man, I'm not getting a lot of confidence in this run game. Right. So that's, that's one part of it, but the other part of, so let's ask her a question. Well, why, why these run plays? Why were we getting the yardage, which in, would it, uh, build our confidence to continue to run the football, right? So I think that's the bigger question right there is, is you know, what was the problem with the run game? Well, the one thing I kind of uh, go look at a couple of things. When you go back and look at Idaho State, they played a four-man front, okay? And our guys are just coming off the ball. They're, they're, they're playing against a four-man stagnant front. Those guys are just sitting there, and we're just physically knocking them back, right? And, and that's, that's what happened with Idaho State. Now you play against Portland State, and I'm looking at these fronts that they're playing, and they're playing a lot of different shades. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing with three down linemen. They're playing with the linebackers pressed up. Um, they're playing with just little different combinations. And not only are they doing that, but they're doing a lot of movement, right? So they, I think what they said is, hey, we're not going to go down the Idaho State Road. We're not going to sit here and let, uh, you know, the Atagi boys get downhill on us and knock us off the ball. We're going to have to move around a little bit, you know, and that's what they did, right? They, they were moving around, and, and it was hard for our guys, our old line guys, in my opinion, to hit the movement. And then now all of a sudden you're not hitting that movement and now, now we get negative plays, you know, and if I think if you go back and look at the big quarterback run, you know, they, uh, Portland state, they moved their, their movement and slanting slanted them out of the play. And then we got away from them and they didn't do a good job of within their scheme of having all the gaps covered. Because when you're, 
slanting and, and uh, looping linebackers and doing all those things. You've got to be sound in your gaps. And the one that the quarter, our quarterback got away from them, they weren't sound in their gaps. So, and I don't know if that's a situation where we kind of got caught off of guard and didn't know we were going to see that front or we were just not, you know, uh, up front equipped to do that and, and athletic enough to hit all that movement. I don't, I don't know where the problem was with that whole thing, but scheme wise, that's what I was seeing them doing. I mean, a lot of movement and, you know, we couldn't hit the movement and I thought, and, and check, check me if I'm wrong on this, but at the half, it kind of seemed like running the football where Portland State and, and, and us, and we were saying we we're kind of the same for yardage. Maybe if you take the big run out of the, out of the mix with our quarterback, if you take that out of there, we're kind of the same. But Portland State, they kept running the football and it paid yeah. dividends at the end because those three yard runs turned into five and six yards for Portland State as the game as the game moved along. And then, you know, and for Weaver and then for Weaver State, I mean, we just didn't have a run game. We tried to we tried to manufacture a run game with the quarterback, you know, and it just it just wasn't there. Yeah. Tom, last question on Portland State before we move on to the Southern Utah game. Um, Vikings largely kicked away from Rashid Shahid uh, the majority of the game. And so I wondered just a couple of games left here in the season, a couple more chances for Rashid Shahid to finish out his senior career and potentially break the all-time F uh, I think it's all-time NCAA record. Um, I don't know. I mean, is that going to be a trend that we continue to see where teams are just like, we're not going to risk it, not kicking to this guy, not going to let him hurt us. What do you think? Well, typically, you know, well, both with Southern Utah and Northern Colorado, they're not great on defense. So if you're not great on defense, probably not going to be great on special teams, right? right because right. most of you think it's the guys play on, on special teams. So unless you've got some dogs on that kickoff cover team and you think you can run down, down there and make a tackle, uh, you got those guys and I would kick it to them, but I don't know, risk reward, man, <laughs> risk reward. Yeah. I rather, I rather know I'm getting that ball. You know, it isn't in the back of the end zone. I rather just, uh, Hey, let's just, <laughs> keep him in front of us, you know, kick it away, give up our, you know, let's start on the 35 and just be happy with that. So, uh, you know, again, maybe they learned something from Idaho state watching that special teams film. Yeah. That was a big no, no. So, but I hope he gets it, man. That'd be awesome. That'd be something to get excited about. Yeah, certainly. Right. I mean, we'd love to see him break it, but I just wonder like at this point with two games left, like you said, Tom, if, um, they're just not not super keen and have watched enough film, especially most notably the, the Idaho State game, to say that's just not a risk we're willing to take. So we're not doing it. Yeah. All right, Tom. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that was that was. Um, put it in the, put it in the books, man. Put it yeah. in the books. That one's in the books. Uh, it is what it is. So, like I said, I don't think the Wildcats are going to be making the playoffs. So we essentially have two games remaining this season. Um, one of them is going to be this weekend today against. Southern Utah against the T-Birds. And from what we can see, this is the the final um, scheduled Beehive Bowl for who knows how long. So it could be the last time the Wildcats and the T-Birds get the chance to play each other. So let's talk a little bit about it. Um, looking at some of the numbers, Tom, SUUs, they got the worst defense in the conference overall, right? So that's, that's looking at both sides and just kind of crunching the numbers. The conference has them at number 13. They've given up 600 more yards than the next worst team, who is Idaho State. But this is the weird thing, and I wanted to see what you thought about this. 
They have the number one red zone defense in the conference. So once people get inside that 20 yard line, they really stiffen up. How do you explain that, man? Like they stink all the way until they get there. And when their backs up are, are up against the wall, they stiffen up and they shut things down. How can that be? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting deal. You know, just kind of going back and, and it takes some time to watch the, the Idaho film. I know in the field, what they like to do is they're, they're they love to stay in that. They, they want to stay in a cover too, right? So you get the two safeties back, but as teams, as they start to feel those teams starting to run the ball a little bit and, and doing that, they like to bring that safety down. Okay. So now you got the safety down. And then with that, they, uh, they do some line movement stuff, some slants and things like that. Uh, Idaho State or Idaho, University of Idaho had some success with catching them in those slants and just creasing them, which were big gains because now all of a sudden you don't have those two safeties back there. You only got one safety. So that could be one of the situations of why they're having so much, so many problems in the open field as far as, you know, big runs, giving up big runs. And, and people are able to increase them because, you know, that slanting stuff's all great if you hit it right and you slant the right way. But if you don't, it leaves huge creases and it puts everybody else in a bind. And I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do with that because um, if you get Shahid running down that sideline and you don't have safety help over the top, they're going to be in a bind. So how are they going to work taking care of him but trying to bring down another safety down into the run, right? So now that's going to be a bit of a problem for them. And the other part of it too is, you know, how are they going to, or what's Weaver going to do formation wise, trying to get them to stay into that two tired, a two safety look. Are they going to play with two tight ends? Are we going to go by a three by one and kind of what's our approach um, to that? So that will, that will be interesting. Um, and then the other part of it too, for me is how much are they going to steal from Portland state? Hey, Portland State had some, you know, some some uh, some success with line movement, looping the linebackers, doing those things. Maybe maybe that's a thing that that we'll see and, and see if they try and do that. Um, and kind of the other part of your question, getting to the red zone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as that field shape, as that field shrink uh, starts to shrink, shrink down, you know, those safeties are tighter, so you can have another guy in the box there. And, and you can do some things there, you know, so maybe that's, uh, that's a situation. Maybe they just got this great red zone defense package that just gives a lot of people problems. So, but that is interesting. You know, yeah, typically I mean, when you're, <laughs> you're bad, one part of the field, you're bad all the way all through. Of it, right. Yeah. Like for some, yeah. like I said, for some reason, number one in the conference in red zone defense um, yeah. yeah, man. And, and, and this is, you know, a team that has probably seen a lot of time in the red zone as well. So it's yeah. not, it's not like a sample issue where it's like, well, the reason that they're so good is because, you know, they've only let other teams in the red zone a total of 10 times all season. It's, it's definitely not that. Cause like we said at the top, they've given up 600 more yards than the next worst team in the big sky. But yeah. in, interesting thing to note on, on last weekend's game, like you said, Idaho found success running the ball with different looks. And like you said, creases, Rashawn Johnson ended up setting an Idaho uh, program record, rushing for six touchdowns, 174 yards. Vandals ended up running for 290 yards against this SUU defense last weekend. 
And so I think that there's an opportunity here. Yeah. And you know what, getting back to your question, you know, where the, the, the kind of like, I kind of, kind of scratched my head a little bit, but you go back and watch that Idaho game. Where did they get a stop? Five yards going in, right. They forced them into, they forced them into kicking a field goal, right. They had them, I think it was like first and five and they stopped them. You know, they tried to run, they tried to run right at them and Southern Utah said not, not happening. So it's just like, it's, it's weird, man. It's interesting. Yeah. And definitely, I think if you're a Wildcat fan, something to be maybe a little bit worried about because the Wildcats have struggled in the red zone this season. It's been, I think, sort of um, uh, an issue in general. Um, Red zone offense has been a problem that the Wildcats have had. Um, We talked about this when we had Chris Jackson on the show just a couple of weeks ago saying how Chris was maybe the answer to some of these red zone woes because they were able to say, okay, let's just send the battering ram in short yarded situations and get those touchdowns where it's like, we just need two or three just to get it across the goal line. And that has, that has bred, you know, success, but yeah, man, um, if, if this red zone defense by, by the, the, the Thunderbirds is as, as advertised, it could end up, you know, spelling maybe a lot of trouble for the Wildcats who have struggled in that part of the field. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. And that all, you know, that all comes to blocking the line of scrimmage. You know, when, when is the running back making contact? Is it two yards on the defensive side of the line of scrimmage or is it in our backfield? That's, that's, that's the major thing with a successful run, run game, right? Is where, where is he going to, where is he making that first contact or is the O-line giving our running back a chance to get up in the hole and make a play? Or does he have to make a play as soon as the ball is handed off? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like right now, just checking it out, Weber state ninth in the conference in red zone offense. Um, Tom, I didn't put this in the notes, but one other thing I wanted to ask you about, see what you thought about it. So another surprising thing that SUU does really well, they draw penalties. They have 300 more yards. So they have 908 yards in drawn penalties uh, this season. And that's ahead of Idaho. Something that they do just gets people to just, I mean, I, I, and so I wondered like in, in the film that you had watched, I mean, is it, they just get guys on the hard count? Like how are they able to draw so many of these penalties against opponents? Cause number one in the conference at it right now. Yeah. I, I tell you what, the one thing I got from that film is I, and, and you'll have to go watch it. I'll, I'll give you the time on it. But if this was not a targeting by the Southern Utah linebacker in the first quarter, they threw a slant and they, he hit that kid right in the head and he, the kid was out and they picked up the flag and they did not call it targeting. I know it's not like, it, it was like, I mean, I've never, that was probably the hardest hit I've seen this year of just coming and knocking a guy right in the head. It was, it was incredible, but then they picked up the flag, but I didn't, I don't know. I, that's a tough question, man. Um, that they've drawn them that many, that many penalties. And I'll tell you what, uh, and almost got him a win at, at Montana. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what was it? 12 penalties against Montana, five of them de- deferred. So that's like 17 penalties, man. So, you know, I don't know how they're doing it, but that's, that's a, that's an interesting stat too. Yeah. Really interesting. So we we'll guess we'll, I guess we'll get to see kind of how it shakes out for them because I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it yeah. to the tune of 300 yeah. more yards than the next team who is Idaho. Right. Um, right. But, 
Uh, Want to talk a little bit about in-state recruiting now, Tom, because you noted this in the notes before we before we started recording the show that both these programs recruit heavily in-state. Um, Weaver right. seems to have a little bit more support or a little bit more success in-state than SUU does. And I mean, that's understandable considering Weaver's facilities in recent history. Um, kids want to play at Weaver. That's I mean, that's that's understandable. One thing, though, that you pointed out was they get a, they seem to get a lot of guys out of the transfer portal. And right. um I was going to, I put in the notes based on the results, it doesn't seem to help them that much because I mean, essentially since 2017, SU has not been competitive. They haven't sniffed right. the playoffs. I mean, right. uh, so I don't know, like, are they just getting the wrong guys? Like what's, what's going on there? I mean, cause they're, they're raiding the portal, trying to find guys. They're coming to the Cedar city to do the thing. It's just right. not, it's not working. So what's the deal? Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing is I know we're switched sports a little bit, but I think it's working pretty darn good for that basketball program. Yeah, that's true. That, and well, Todd, <laughs> and, and Todd Simon is a, is a very good coach. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be talking about that very, very, very soon. Hoops getting going. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely working on the hoop side, but on the football side, uh, DeMario Warren not having quite the same success as Todd Simon. And it's, uh, it's kind of interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah. And I think you got to do a good job of asking all the right questions. You know, and everybody's everybody's new to the portal, right? And recruiting that type of kid. So I think you've got to kind of develop your own kind of uh, approach to it. Okay, the first year we recruited 10 kids out of the portal. Okay, this was the makeup of the kids. This is the questions that we that we asked. You know, this is the research we did. And this is, we ended up with this. Okay, so we got to find a, you know, a better way to ask better questions or, you know, we need to, okay, this situation worked really good. And then we're recruiting another kid that had the same, has the same situation. So it should transfer over to be in a good situation. Oh, we're recruiting the same kid. And he's kind of like that other kid that didn't work out for it. work out for us. So I think a part of it is just building up, um, uh, educating yourself about it and kind of building up kind of like your own database of what kids work in your program and, and all those type of things and just kind of develop your own, your own system with it. Because again, it's, it's brand new, right? It's, it's brand new for all the coaches. Now I think we're, we're probably in our third year of the portal, I think something like that. So everybody should be getting their own Intel and, and, and methodology of how to attack it. And so you just, you just got to grow from it. And then of course, if you start your first year report, uh, recruiting after the, or recruiting in the portal and you do a poor job, then you got nothing good to go off of. So you got to wait till you have a little success to go, okay, this is what works in recruiting to the portal. This is the guy we got. So that's, that's one thing to it. You know, and Hey man, it's a balancing act, right? You start getting too many portal guys and then you don't get that chemistry and all those type of things. It's like, ah, uh, you know, we don't have that, you know, team building, invested, kids invested in the program. It could go go the wrong way on you. So it's a, it's a tricky thing to maneuver. You got to make the right decisions on that. And maybe that's what's maybe that's one of the downfalls of when they struggle for the last two or three years is just getting the right kid, you know. Um, yeah. So but it is to me, it is a big deal for recruiting. You know, um, you want to get every kid. You want to get every walk-on kid. You want to get every partial scholarship kid. You want to get every kid. And to be able to say, hey, we've beaten, we've beaten Southern Utah every time for the last X amount of years. Not, yeah, well, they beat us last time, but we beat them two times before that. You, know, you don't want to say that, right? You want to mm -hmm. be, no doubt, yeah, no doubt, 
I don't know how they're going to sell the their new conference, what their their pitch is going to be for that whole thing. Um, so it'll be interesting. But no, we want to keep our grip on recruiting and not just again how many how many walk on kids that maybe Southern Utah was recruiting, but we got them to walk on and and we're pretty damn good. I think there's a linebacker who's pretty damn good walk on kid for us. So <laughs> everybody counts, man. Everybody they call, they call him the every, captain. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody everybody's important, man. Every yeah. every number, every guy's important. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, we had an interview a while back with Connor Mortensen. Um, and so awesome. if, you're, if you're interested awesome. in hearing about his story, about how I had been recruited to Southern Utah, receiving a walk-on offer there, but then uh, they said, why don't you come up to Ogden and uh, really has made an impact on the program. Ended up winning defensive uh, player of the year in the spring season. Um, Connor Mortensen, an absolute, um, just a stud. Kid's great. Works hard. Yeah. The captain is the man. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I wanted to kind of switch gears now and talk a little bit about the offense going down to Southern Utah. Um, protecting the quarterback has been an issue. We've seen it the, the last couple of games. Uh, the quarterback has not had time to make decisions or you know enough time to really kind of let plays unfold. And uh, it's caused problems. Uh, but looking at SUU, they really struggle with the pass rush. They, they don't seem to do well looking at some of the numbers in the conference. Like they, um, they are currently... Uh, let me get it up here real quick. They're currently um, sacks by their second to last in the conference. They don't get a lot of sacks. They only have 15 on the season. That's half of what Montana's got at 30. And they're at number one. The Wildcats are right. sitting currently at eight, kind of right there in the middle at 22. I mean, there's just, for some reason, SUU does not seem to get at the quarterback well. And so I, I wanted to ask, do you think that this weekend, because they don't seem to rush the quarterback very well. Um, we've had problems with the offensive line, a lot of injuries. Um, I think guys are still not at a hundred percent. And so the play there has been just so, so do you think that this leads, you know, this is sort of a recipe for maybe some passing success this weekend um, against the T-Birds? Well, I don't want to sound like that old offensive line coach, but let us say this success comes with running the football. Right. So let's yeah. start with that. And yeah. everything else will just be so easy. You run the football. Now guys are wide open, you know, play action and all those type of things. And there's just not as much pressure on the quarterback. You know, if you're asking me that, if you think we should line up in no backs and just start uh, slinging it around the yard, I don't think that's us. Right. I no, think it's that, not us. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, and, uh, you know, I think it's just a, it's just an attitude, man. You start running the ball, you start imposing your will on different on on the opponent team, and it's just a different. It brings back a different attitude, and all of a sudden, that passing game becomes so much such so much easier, right? I mean, we want Baron. We want I want Baron to set his feet, not have to think about a lot, and chuck the you know chuck the football. You know, I, 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 I want that D line to be so tired because they've been just been getting off the ground because we'd be just running at him and running after him. And it's just like, man, I don't, I just need to take a break. This one play. I just, I just can't rush this one play. Just that's what I want the attitude to be. So, and then, and then get our, take our advantages when we can. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely an opportunity here. Southern Utah, the second to worst. I mean, Cal Poly has the absolute worst run defense in the conference. SUU right there with them. I mean, yeah. just not not great at stopping the run. And then on the reverse side, they don't run the wall well themselves. They're once again second to last again in the conference right. at running the ball as well. And Weber has been, you know, a team that is prolific. You know, we're currently fourth in the conference in stopping the run. But I mean, a good group of guys up front that have kept some really talented backs, you know, largely in check. And yeah. so yeah, I, mean, I think you're right, Tom, that there's opportunity here for the Wildcats to pass the ball. Like you said, you know, give Baron the opportunity to kind of set his feet, but also take a little bit of that pressure off by handing the ball off, you know, on first and 10 or whatever to go get six right. yards to then open right. the playbook a little bit up and give some margin of error should, and try some things out because, you, you know, if it doesn't work out, you're in a short yarded situation going into third down. Yeah. And, and I know, I know you've got the numbers and, and their quarterback is he's got some, he's had some success throwing the ball, but yeah, I watched some throws in that Idaho game. And I'm going, we need to, we need to get this guy to throw the football. We need to make him throw the football because he's a little, he's not very accurate and he might throw it up there. We might get a pick. Right. But I don't, I don't know what your, what your thoughts are on him as a quarterback. Cause that's kind of what I saw in the Idaho game is, Hey, let's, let's dock out this run. Let's stop this Southern Utah run. Let's make him one dimensional and let's see, let's get this quarterback to try and beat us. Cause I think we can, I think we can get a few. Picks. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because if you think about it, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. Justin Miller, good passer, but like we noted, has given up a conference high 10 interceptions this season. Um, it's kind of what the Wildcats did to Montana in the quarterfinals game in Ogden back in 2019, where they were able to stop the run largely. And so then it left Dalton Sneed, who was a very good quarterback, uh, but he had a really bad night in Ogden. I think he ended up throwing five interceptions in that game. Uh, just made them one dimensional. Right. And then right. it's sort of the reverse of what uh, Maine did to Weber state in the playoffs in 2018, where they stopped the run. We were, you know, had to figure something out. And so they had to you go to throw the ball and they didn't have great luck throwing the ball and the wildcat offense sputtered and wildcats ended up losing that game. And so I think you're right, Tom, I think there's something to be said for doing, making sure that the wildcats don't let that Thunderbird run game get going then it has to come to Justin Miller to say, okay, you got to make something happen guy. And so he starts slinging it around, but we've seen that, yes, he can be a very prolific passer, but he can also be very careless with the ball. And there's an opportunity then for the Wildcats to maybe rack up some turnovers because a little bit of a struggle on getting um, interceptions thus far this season. And I think some of those are drops that, have, that the Wildcats have been there, just haven't come away with the ball, but there have definitely been opportunities. So we know that the the scheme is there. It's just a matter of execution. Yeah. I think I think one of the key things, and, and this is maybe what makes football so exciting, is how many how many rivalry games have you seen across the country? You know, BYU versus Utah, Florida versus Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech. You know, Weber State, Southern Utah is a rivalry game, man. Yeah, oh, it all is. this all this stats and numbers, and this guy can do this and that. Sometimes in these rivalry games, all that stuff goes out the window <laughs> because it's all about just playing some ball, man. And 
it, it's going to be an interesting game. It really is. You know, everyone's Southern Utah. Well, they're, they, you know, they're not efficient here and they're not efficient there, but I'm, I'm expecting a ball game. I yeah. really, really am because man, you got a team Southern Utah. They got nothing to lose, man. They got, you know, I'm looking here. We got 25 Utah kids on Southern Utah team. We got 42 Utah kids on the Weaver team, eight kids or eight high schools that those kids have played at the same high school. Right. It's just, it's going to be all out, man. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting. You know, if I'm Weaver state, I'm thinking, don't let these guys get going. Do not let them think they can play with us because the longer they play with us, the tighter we're going to get and the better they're going to get, right? That is, that's a, that's a recipe for a loss for Weaver State. Dude, we cannot let that happen. We got to go. We got to start now, full bore, ready to play. We can't feel our way around and all those type of things. We got to go because I, hey, going in, you can say whatever you want about penalties, but they went into Montana and Montana had to kick a field goal to win that thing late. So, you know, turnovers, penalties, emotion, you know, 18, 19 year old kids, man, it's going to be an interesting game from that standpoint. Yeah. Like you said, Tom, definitely a rivalry game and um, both teams always get up to play each other. So we'll be looking forward to this one. Um, it'll be at 2 PM down in Cedar city. Uh, if you haven't, if you're going to make the trip down, uh, make sure to hit up the alumni tailgate. They've got a thing going there. And so, uh, go to the, go to Weaver state's alumni website and check that out. Now, always good to hang out with a uh, fellow wildcat fans. And so, uh, but if you're not going to be making the trip like myself, sad, sad face, it'll be the first time in what four years that I haven't made the trip down or haven't been to the SUU game. Um, I'll be watching the game on ESPN plus, like I said, 2 PM kick. And so it'll be an opportunity to kind of just see what we got. Just enjoy the rest of the season that we have, which isn't very much left. Yeah. You know, what's kind of cool about going down to that tailgate thing from, from Ogden down there is because we have a, some of the, the, the older Wildcat fans that have kind of migrated down to St. George to retire. So yep. they love to come up to that game and, you know, you get some, some of the older, older generation and the younger generation, like, you know, like a guy like Craig Hall, who was the vice president of the university, he'll be there and just different people like that. Kind of, kind of a cool, there's a, there's a huge following of Sark Arcelanian former players that live down in St. George. So they'll be up there. So it's just kind of a, it's a good, good mixture of the old and the, and the old and the new man. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, Tom, uh, we're going to move on now to the last segment that we got here. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to fly around the sky real quick. And I want to get your takes on some of these matchups. Like I said, it's, um, it's kind of winding down here. Not a lot of football left for, the big sky before playoffs start. And so we've got Montana making the trip up to Flagstaff. Cause like we've talked about there at 6,500 feet up there. So it's a, it's a, it's quite a trip, but Grizz will be going up to the walk up sky dome to take on the lumberjacks. And um, I don't know, Tom, who do you got in this game? This was a, this was a tough one for me because weird things happen in Flagstaff. Like we said last week. Yeah. In my history, NAU has always given Montana all they can handle up there, you know, over the, over my years. So I, I am going to go with NAU. I just think it's a long haul up there, you know, and I just think for whatever reason, Montana has a hard time playing up there, you know, and people, you know, the one thing about Montana, and this has happened a lot is, you know, there's a reason why they, they're always at that top of that sack total, right. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Well, it's because when you go up and play in Montana, there's your offensive line, there's always going to be one or two times where that offensive tackle just didn't quite hear the snap count yeah. or he had to look inside to the ball and he looked inside and the ball was snapped and he always put a good D end out there. So that, that's a huge advantage for Montana. So you take them out of that element where they're not going to have that, you know, that one or two great pass rushes because of the crowd noise and all that kind of thing. So I, I honestly think that's a factor when they, when, when they get away from, from, from their stadium. So I'm going to go with NAU. Yeah. I mean, NAU has proved, I think this season, I can't believe I'm saying these words. Uh, they proved to be pesky and they've proved that they can, they can win in, uh, in certain situations. They've gotten the best of the Wildcats uh, quite a few times down in Flagstaff. Like I said, weird things happened down there. The last game that got played down in the walk-up sky down, the Wildcats ended up losing. It's just uh, weird. It's weird down there, man. And um, I think that the key to this game, though, for Montana is whether or not um, quarterback Cam Humphreys plays. I think that if Cam plays, the Grizz can win. I think that they beat Northern Arizona because they've got the defense. They've got the yeah. defense to win the game. The problem that the yeah. Grizz have had is they've had a number of injuries on offense. They've struggled so much there. And, um, mm-hmm. but I think that if Humphreys plays, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be in good shape. So yeah. that's going to be kind of my caveat. I'm, I want to take the Grizz in this game. Um, they're still playing for a playoff spot. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if Cam plays, Grizz will win this one. Yeah. And coming back healthy, there's, you know, there's coming back healthy and just like coming back. Yeah. And there's like, no, I'm healthy. Like I'm a hundred percent. Right. I'm still, I'm still, still saying our quarterback isn't a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's still dealing with some stuff. Like a lot of guys are from the spring season, but, uh, next matchup, Tom, um, Vandals are taking the trip out to Bozeman to take on, um, the best, I think the best in conference right now, Montana state, uh, Bobcats. Who do you got for this one? Well, me and you being the geniuses that we are, we both took Eastern Washington last week, did we not? <laughs> we did. Yep. And we got we got proven wrong. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna make that mistake. So this one's an easy one, right? Yeah, so. I think you're I think you're right. Montana State in Bozeman getting ready for Brawl of the Wild. And this this had this game has a little bit of a trappy trap game to it, right? Like you're you 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 gotta play Idaho because you're but you're definitely looking forward to the brawl. Which will be in Missoula this year. Uh, yeah. Cat Grizz is, is is the game they've been looking forward to. This will be Vegan's first Cat Grizz. It will be at Wash Grizz Stadium in Missoula. Uh, so they definitely want to get there, but you got to take care of business first. And so you could definitely see them overlooking Idaho. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know Montana State's got a great defense, as we saw. I think that they have what it takes to get it done. I think Montana State wins this one. Um. Next up, we're going to have an, another interesting matchup here. Eastern Washington going down to Davis to take on the Aggies. What do you got here on this one, Tom? This is an interesting matchup. It is an interesting matchup. Uh-huh. Some people... Davis, is, got, Davis has got one loss or two losses? Um, they have two. Right? Oh, in, like in, in conference? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it might just be the one. It might just be the Idaho State game that's dogging them. Right. Where they dropped that one. Um, I have to double check and see what their conference record is. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely weird because Iwu, obviously a wounded animal right now, um, having now lost two straight, they lost to Weber State. And now, and then going into the bye week, coming out of the bye week, 
losing to Montana State, both those games up in Cheney. Now, Eastern Washington on the road, heading down to Davis. And you know, Davis has been a very good team this year. Um, and I think that the key to this game is that Eastern Washington has proved a couple of times now that if you want to beat them, you've got to run the ball well. And That's what I was going to ask you. How did how did Davis run the ball against us? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying yeah. to think in my head about their. I remember the Montana State running back, but I'm trying to yeah, think yeah, about I the David. <laughs> I have yeah. forgot him. Yeah, he found so he's to... yeah, he's definitely something. Uh, let me let me pull it up real quick because uh, I think that uh, Alonzo Gilliam is kind of the 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 guy that everybody looks to in this one, and I don't think Gilliam ran the ball particularly well that day. Yeah, he ran for 64 yards in that game. Uh, I think the thing that was working for them was the fact that they had Hunter Rodriguez, their starting quarterback. He ran for 46 yards. They actually ended up Davis had good success running the ball against the Wildcats in that game, going for 180 yards total. So it's definitely there. And I think that that is the Achilles heel of maybe this Iwu team right now is that they haven't shown that they can stop the run um, against very, very physical, effective backs. And, right. you know, Chris Jackson had a great game. Of course, right. you know, Isaiah Fonse had a great game because he's just, that guy's a man. And so, yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder how they deal with it. Um, on the flip side, the Wildcats had some success running the ball. Wildcats ran for 200 yards themselves in that game. So it's not like Iwu will, you know, won't have the opportunity to return the favor. And they've got some guys in like Dennis Merritt and others who are just as prolific running backs. So I don't know, man. And I think that, you know, obviously Iwu has the better quarterback in Eric Berrier. He's the, he's the toast of the conference. Uh, very good. But Hunter Rodriguez is no slouch himself. He's, he can, he's shown himself to be a good quarterback. And so I don't know, man, I just, uh, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Hawk. Okay. Coach Hawkins. Okay. UC Davis. And, and of course, Davis has the advantage of being at home. Being at home. They also have two games where they have seen a formula of how to beat Eastern Washington. Now, I don't know if they have all the personnel to do that, but they have some sort of film and formula that they can use that other teams have beaten Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington uh, is out without their OC, right? They mm -hmm. lost their OC. Yep. So I think all those three things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with UC Davis. And I probably shouldn't have said that because now I just swayed swayed you to go with UC Davis. So, so I made that loss. I dropped that last nugget. <laughs> <laughs> so actually that was, that was the other thing that I was going to bring up and why I also was going to choose Davis was the fact that Iwu uh, has parted ways with their offensive coordinator. Uh, that just happened this week. Um, Aaron Best, head coach Aaron Best is obviously a very good offensive um, play caller. Um, he's, he was the OC I think before. And so it's not like right. he doesn't know his way around an offense. Uh, they definitely have that. But I just think that, you know, the turmoil might cause some issues. And Davis is sort of surging, um, kind of figuring themselves out after losing to Idaho State, getting right back on track. So I think I'm going to take Davis in this one, um, which would be really weird for Ewu to lose three straight. I don't think anybody expected that going into the season. But I don't know. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be really weird. I don't know. You know, you know why Bess, you know why Bess knows so much about offense? Yeah, why is that? Because he's an online guy. Played online for Eastern, that's why. There you go. <laughs> that solves all problems. Yeah, you're in the trenches. You know, you know what's, you know what's going on. Yeah. 
getting knocked around the head enough, you're going to get smart. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, couple more here, Tom. Idaho State taking the trip to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Uh, Poly has been very, very bad. Uh, it's just a developmental year for them. Um, obviously, I think I think I'm taking Idaho State here, even though they're not great. Poly's worse. <laughs> I don't know on that one. Oh, Who's worse, man? Poly's bad. They're so bad right now. Uh, I, I, I'm taking Idaho State. Yeah, yeah, I gotta agree with that. I'm interested to see these teams, though, like like these two teams where they are. You know, are they in a, are they really building something? I mean, I know they're good coaches, but yeah. they, you know, do they have all the resources? Do they have the plan to 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 do what Jay Hill did? I mean, yeah, I well, mean, <laughs> before Jay Hill took over Weaver State, we were in a dark, dark place, man. Indeed, uh, I think that Bo Baldwin obviously has the pedigree to do a thing, yeah. a, a national champion in his own right, in t- 2010 at Eastern Washington. I think Rob Fennessy is on his way out at Idaho State, so I think that they're going to be. You know, figuring they're going to be putting the pieces back together soon. So Idaho State is TBD, but Cal Poly should be on their way up eventually. Um, now, final final matchup and another another interesting one, Tom. Portland State at Sac State. Sac State has been very good on the road this season, but they've had some trouble at home. And Portland State obviously, you know, has had some success on the road, uh, most recently against Weber State, uh, except for that one trip to Moscow where they ended up losing to Idaho, they've been pretty good. And so who are you going to take on this one, man? Portland State or Sac State? Man, I'm still having nightmares about the Portland State quarterback. Yeah. And that <laughs> might be the and that might be the difference here, right? Is the fact yeah. that hey, Davis Alexander is is uh, is a, is a guy. He's a dude and uh he can make things happen. Yeah. And uh, you know, Sac State, they've had some success, I think, you know, let, let me just kind of check some of their numbers defensively. Um, in the passing game, I mean, poor Sac State is right up there, right behind Weber State when it comes to pass defense. I mean, Montana State's at the top of the conference, followed by Weber State, and then there's Sac State right there. But then again, that didn't seem to matter last weekend when Davis Alexander went up against Weber State. Uh, you know, he, he he proceeded to you know get big plays when he needed them. Is Portland State is Portland State over the last five games? Are they four and five? Have they won the last four out of five games? On their schedule, yeah. Didn't they? What they come into Weber State? They were on a little bit of a win streak, didn't they? Weren't they had won three of the four? Yeah, let me check it out here. Um, so Portland State winning, uh, beating Idaho State on the sixteenth. Um, Portland State. Where are they at? Uh, I guess that's their bye week. Yep, that's their bye week. Uh, Portland State beating Cal Poly. So they beat up on two bad teams. So that's two in a row. And then and let me let me go back just one more here, one more week. And look at October 9th, Portland State losing to Idaho. So they were on a two-game win streak, now three-game win streak. Right. Uh, and uh, Sac State has taken care of business of late, you know, beating Northern Arizona in, in Sacramento. Um, beating Northern Colorado uh, in Northern Colorado. Uh, the surprise win against Montana up in, up in, uh, in Missoula. They of course beat Cal Poly because like I said, Poly has been very, very bad. And so, right. yeah, man, I mean, I'm taking Portland State. you're going to take I'm Portland, Portland State? State because of the quarterback and, and their D line, especially the one, one defense alignment. That's pretty outstanding. 
Yeah. I mean, and, so, and yeah, we, we talked about VJ Malo, right. About the fact that yeah. he was going to be a presence and he certainly was, I think he ended up only, right. I think he only got one sack in that game, but just the fact that the Wildcats had to commit so many resources to keeping him down it opened up opportunities for his teammates. And yeah. so I think that um, Sac state may have the same trouble. I personally, after seeing what I saw last weekend, I think I'm going to take Portland state as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All man, right. You can't be against someone that beat the Wildcats, man. You got to pump those guys up. Yeah, yeah, I guess I. I mean, at this point, I don't care about who beats who anymore because I'm not, you know, Wildcats not making the playoffs, so it is what it is. Uh, all right, man. So, like we said, football today at Southern Utah, 2 p.m. I'll be on ESPN Plus or 103 on the Wave. If you're down in Cedar City, make sure to check out the alumni tailgate. And then next week uh, will be the final home game and the final game of the season. It will be Saturday, November 20th. The football at home against Northern Colorado and first-year head coach Ed McCaffrey. And the struggles that he's had. That game will be at 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus 103 on the wave. Make sure to get out there and tailgate. Tailgate will probably get started about 11 p.m., if not earlier. I mean, we know some guys show up earlier. So um, show up, get up there, man. This is your last chance to tailgate for the season before uh, before we wrap it all up. So um, not, wanna... not only, not only, sorry, not only the tailgate, but uh, really appreciate that group of kids, man. Yep. I know the year isn't what it was supposed to be, but I'll tell you what. With that 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 run that they've made and what they've done for the program, pretty darn awesome. So just just that simple fact, we need to be up there. Yep, and yeah, like you said, Tom, it'll be Senior Day, and so um, you know, Wildcats have traditionally had good luck on Senior Day at home, <laughs> and it's usually been against Idaho State, and it usually ended <laughs> up with a conference championship. <laughs> So, yeah, but um, email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is where you can find us, uh, Twitter, especially on game day, patreon.com slash weberstateweekly if you want to get in our game day chat, become a patron, and then uh, check out the blog, weberstateweekly.com. Uh, I've got a couple of things worked out. Um, then we, I think we're going to be interviewing some uh, signing day was this week. And so we've had some basketball recruits. Uh, I've had some volleyball recruits sign and also a bunch of soccer recruits. So a bunch of, a bunch of recruiting that's happened. And so we'll probably be reaching out to some of those kids to get some interviews going. So we weekly.com to check out some of that. All right, Tom, uh, that'll be it for this week's game day show. We'll wrap it up. Like we usually do. Weber state, Weber state. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Oh!